Today's show is brought to you by LaserAway. Adulthood Made Easy listeners can save up to 75% on laser services at LaserAway. Go to laserawaycom A-M-E now to schedule your free consultation. Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. With graduation right around the corner, I'd like to welcome the class of 2016 into the Adulthood Made Easy Club. The real world has arrived for you, and I can attest that it is both just as scary and not as scary as you thought. Helpful, right? One of the major issues on your mind right now probably revolves around the word career. How many people in the last few months have asked you, so what are you doing after college? Or what do you want to do with your life? The worst questions ever. Since finding a job is certainly one of the most immediate boxes you should check off your checklist to adulthood, I thought we'd talk a little bit today about how to enter the workforce like a pro, interview like a boss, and find success no matter which path you choose. Not to mention this advice is still always really helpful to those of us who have already graduated and have jobs. I cannot get enough advice on how to interview or negotiate or communicate with my coworkers. Lucky for upcoming grads, there are books, websites, and of course, podcasts that you can listen to for this advice. And I'm here to talk to you today about a great new book and some well-known authors. I'm joined today by CEOs and co-founders of Click Media Group, the company behind sites like My Domain and Who, What, Where?, Hillary Kerr and Catherine Power are joining via Skype to discuss The Career Code, the third book in the Who, What, Where series that acts as the go-to guide for creating your own professional success. Each chapter is a different career code for young women to follow, like never present a problem without a solution, and it's also filled with the practical advice they've learned while building their company from zero employees in 2006 to the, quote, thriving, multi-brand, multi-platform, multi-million dollar company it is today. So I'll welcome Hillary and Catherine. Hillary, hi. Hi. And hi, Catherine. How are you? So great to have you guys here today. Obviously, we love Who, What, Where. And like I said, this book is, we said this off offline, but this book is everything. I mean, it's from start to finish, it's everything you could possibly want to know about a job, from what to wear to how to interview to what to do when you make a mistake. So we'll probably only be able to scratch the surface, but hopefully we'll be able to give these recent grads some great advice for searching for and landing their first job. So I'll start. I just always love to start with hearing from our guests, you know, what your first real world experiences were like. So rewinding a little bit to your first jobs and what it was like to kind of step into the world of adulthood, into the real world and and what that was like for you. So, Hillary, we'll start with you. What was what was your first job and, and real world experience like? I So my first job, full time job um, after grad school was working in the features department of Elle magazine in New York. I uh, sent my resume out um, a few weeks after I finished finals and um, was miserable all winter break, wondering if I was ever going to get a job. And the process happened really quickly for me. I think I sent, I heard about a job at Elle. I sent in my resume, went in for an interview and was hired and starting a, a week later. So it was a really fast process, but it was a really amazing first job because 
I had done so many internships in the fashion magazine space and really knew that's what I wanted to do. And I was working with and for some truly incredible women. And when you say it was fast, it was like a month, two months between interviewing and getting the job? A week. Oh, a week. Okay, so that's really fast. Like I sent my resume on a Monday and came in, went in for an interview on a Wednesday, got hired on a Friday, and started the following Monday. Now, I had a similar experience where I interviewed for my job at Real Simple, and it sort of happened really quickly that I interviewed with the editor-in-chief, and they called and said I had the job, and I had two weeks to pick up and move to New York, and I flipped out, like cried, <laughs> like regretted everything I'd ever done in my life, like totally was like, I need to do this all over again. I shouldn't be even going into journalism. I should be like living in Cleveland. So did you freak out, or were you like ready to go? Uh, well, I now looking back on it, I would do things a little bit differently. I was applying for a couple of other jobs and I just weirdly wanted to double check to make sure that I was really making the correct decision. So when I was offered the job, I asked them if I could have a few, a day to think about it. And even though I knew that's what I wanted to do. It just seemed like such a huge step. I wanted to consult my favorite grad school professor who was uh, the editor-in-chief of ESPN the magazine. I thought I should tell my parents. I have no idea why. I thought that was a great idea. Mm -hmm. To her credit, my future boss said, sure, and then emailed me a few hours later and said, actually, you need to make a decision You know, today. I said, no problem. <laughs> um, and I called her back and said, yes, I would love to. Now, looking back on that, I think it was just my own nerves that made me pause, but I don't think that was necessarily the best tone to set, especially for a first job in such a coveted magazine. I'm so embarrassed. I haven't thought about this in years. I'm embarrassed <laughs> just relaying the story, thinking back on it. That's, that's what adulthood made easy is for. We really just <laughs> get all the embarrassing moments and everything out there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hadn't really thought it through. And then like you, I sort of had a freak out moment and then I went back and said yes. And everything was great from there forward, from there on forward. But looking back, I was like, oh, so embarrassing. Very cool. And Catherine, what's, what's your story? So my first full-time job was working for a producer at Touchstone Pictures, which uh, used to be a, a part of Disney that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I really wanted to get into the entertainment industry. I was fascinated by film production and started out as an intern uh, during the summer working for uh, a woman who had a, a first look deal with Touchstone, um, meaning that you know she was in a position to kind of develop ideas, um, whether they came from books or articles. And then, um, you know, Touchstone would turn those ideas into film. So I heard about the internship through the UTA job list, which still exists out here in Los Angeles. Um, UTA is one of the big talent agencies and entertainment agencies out here. So I applied and it was a very small office. It was just uh, this, this female producer, her assistant and one uh, development executive. And, you know, I, I have wanted to work since I was so small, you know, whether it was, you know, selling things in my neighborhood or putting on, you know, performances that I would charge people for or taking my, you know, toy kitchen and turning it into a restaurant. I was always very motivated by the idea of creating a business and making money and selling things. So I was very ambitious and honestly probably would have paid for the opportunity to work for free. I went in every single day, you know, Monday through Friday, that summer. And ultimately, you know, the assistant 
um, who really took me under her wing and taught me everything, you know, sort of like entertainment industry 101, ended up leaving probably four or five months into my time there. And the producer that I worked for actually made me her assistant full time at that point. So I chose not to go to school and really just started. That's when I started my career and I started working and, you know, had very interesting jobs from there on out that sort of all came back to the same, you know, foundation of wanting to kind of, you know, build brands or IP and market them. Um, and then that led me into being the West Coast editor for L and for L Girl magazine. Oh, so you both um, you both kind of ended up at L at some point. We did. That's actually where we met. That's such a that's such awesome experience and great that you could you could figure it out so young. I feel like a problem that a lot of recent grads had is that they, you know, what you wanted to be when you went to career day in second grade doesn't always align with what you want to be when you're 22, 23, or 10 more job opportunities have popped up and 50 new fields have popped up thanks to all the new technology. So that's, that's really awesome. Yeah, we talk about that in our book, The Career Code, you know, just sort of you know, how one path can lead to something else. And that is not only, you know, okay, but sometimes very exciting. And just sort of the idea of, you know, how to go about figuring out what is the right career for you. You know, I always operated by the motto of, you know, find something you love to do and then figure out a way to get paid for it. (laughs) It's actually a chapter in our book. So I kind of let that guide me through the different industries that I was in that ultimately helped build up this really, you know, exciting body of work. Did you know that the average woman will spend over $10,000 on razors and 72 days shaving in her lifetime? Are you tired of spending all this time and money on what is also ranked as the most hated beauty ritual? I am too. Good thing our friends at Laser Away have us and our bodies covered. As the nation's top laser hair removal and aesthetic experts, LaserWay offers the most advanced cutting-edge technology to offer dramatic permanent results in just a few treatments. LaserWay's treatments are non-invasive, fast, permanent, and can treat all skin tones, leaving you hair-free, care-free, and ready for that last-minute date or beach getaway. Shave time, not your legs. Get up to 75% off laser services and schedule your free consultation today by going to laserway.com slash A-M-E. That's laserway.com slash A-M-E. So what I love about getting advice from you guys, and this is no offense to anyone else who's been on the show because I love getting advice in general, but um, you guys are very much part of this of the 21st century media world, technology world. I mean, you're very immersed in new media, the new career rules, the new career codes, if you will. So I found a lot of your advice to be really relevant to me and to the way that younger mentors have been telling me to format a resume or go on interviews. So, I mean, I don't know if you felt that as well, but I just felt like your advice is really contemporary compared to maybe some of the more traditional career advice you're getting. Is that did that play into why you wanted to make a career book? I mean, what do you think your career book offers that that others don't? I think that's exactly why we wanted to make this book. Um, you know, over the years, we've hired hundreds of uh, millennial females and, you know, have also studied the kind of millennial population in general and, 
you know, what we've learned is kind of twofold. One, that it's, you know, the most ambitious generation of, of any generation past. You know, more millennial females are in management positions than, than any generation before. Millennial females are the first to outpace men in earning bachelor's degrees. They're very career-driven, very focused. They, they are voracious consumers of all of the career content that we publish on mydomain.com. And in addition to that, we saw throughout the years as we're, you know, meeting and interviewing and hiring these these people, there there's a lot of information and many lessons that go untaught through traditional education or even internship programs. And it's really it's pretty cut and dry some of this stuff. Like there are specific, you know, strategies and rules to follow that will get you ahead in your career. And I don't think anyone's really talked about that on a very practical sort of straight to the point level. So we really wanted to do that with this book. I mean, you really, you get a lot out of it, whether you're just starting out or you're starting over in your career. It takes kind of the question mark out of many different situations and, you know, helps you kind of navigate, make the right decisions throughout your career. So let's get to some of that practical advice because you're right, there's a ton of it. But given how in touch you you both are with the contemporary job market, what can the class of 2016 or someone looking to start over do to make themselves stand out in what has really become a really saturated and competitive job market? I think one of the most important things that anyone can do is unfortunately a lot of work. And by that, I mean- <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy. And that's the thing. To really stand out, one of the key things to do is to create a very personalized resume and cover letter for that specific job, for that specific potential future boss, and for that specific company. Being able to demonstrate that you really understand the company, that you- are excited about the position and that you have specific skills that you can bring to the table, that means everything. I think um, in the past, people sort of had this idea of like this one-size-fits-all resume and cover letter and that they would just sort of, you know, because of job sites and the rise of email, that they would just sort of blanket people with their resume and cover letter. But I think that in today's very competitive environment, bosses can see that in a second and and are not interested in that generic, you know, sort of presentation of self. So by being really thoughtful about what jobs you're applying for at which specific companies and what those roles are and really demonstrating that you know what you could bring to the table and that you really like the company and that you're excited about it, showing that level of, of personal care and and information is an easy way to stand out. And what are some outdated resume rules that people should kind of toss out the window? Well, I always think that it's important. While school is definitely important, education is important, I think that people sometimes lead with their education. But the fact that you had a double major or the fact that you have a mediocre GPA or whatever it is doesn't really tell me how you're going to be as an employee. And keep in mind, this is different for every company, but just for us personally, um, lead with your skills and not just your skills, but really quantify what you've been doing, whether it's through internships or through your own portfolio of work that you've been creating online or whatever it is. Yeah, that's not the first time I've heard that. I mean, I don't, I was always told not to put my GPA on my resume 
um, specifically for my field, but I think a lot of people feel that way now, unless you had like a 7.5 GPA or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. And and also I think just put it at the bottom of your resume. It's it's definitely interesting and important, but we always say that skills are more important than degrees. And truthfully, I think really leading with those skills, those hard skills is the most important thing. And what skills are even interesting now? Because at one point we were all putting like proficient in Microsoft Office suite. And now it's like, if you're not proficient in Microsoft Office, like, are are you an alien? <laughs> so like, what skills are interesting at this point? You know, it really depends on the job you're going out for. So you're right. It is a given that everyone at this point understands the basic computer programs and <laughs> I can type <laughs> on a, a PC and a Mac and, you know, has some idea of how social media works and, and all of that. Um, just to show that you're kind of an active part of society. Um, but I think it really comes down to the job you're interviewing for and do you have, you know, appropriate experience or skills that pertain to that job. And that's what you want to, you know, lead with. Totally. Now, here's a complaint that I hear from recent grads, people my age that are not so recent grads. The complaint of all these job postings require three years of experience. But how am I supposed to get experience if no one will hire me to give me the experience? Like that uh, that never-ending cycle of you need to get experience to gain experience, but all these jobs require that you have experience and so you can't get experience, da-da-da-da-da. So right. w- how do you break out of that cycle? I think a couple things. You know, one, internships we feel are so important, no matter what industry you're in, to build a list of internships that you've completed that are relevant to the job that you want to go after. I mean, we we certainly consider that experience. You know, I also think with the internet and there are ways to kind of build up your own body of work even if you haven't done that work for a company, right? So if you are if you know you want to be a florist and you want to go work for the top, you know, wedding florist in town, Maybe you've never done that. You're just sort of amateur, you know, doing things on the weekend at your house. But perhaps you create a pin board of uh, all the most beautiful kind of floral scapes and arrangements that kind of represent your point of view and your taste level, you know. That just shows, okay, well, this person understands the sensibilities of the company they're interviewing for. They seem like a right fit. This is what their eye is like. Even something like that can show your work. Or if you're a writer, you know, starting your own, you know, blog or, you know, kind of creating somehow a body of work online that you can show to prospective employers. I mean, we've had, you know, waitresses that come in for, you know, entry level uh, kind of editorial jobs and they've never worked in the industry before, but they've, you know, maybe started a blog on the side where they write about fashion and, that helps us understand, you know, not only their point of view and how they look at fashion and if they're a brand fit for us, but that also tells us, you know, they're really ambitious. They went, you know, above and beyond what they're doing to make money to to go after what they want. And that is, I think, attractive as an employer. We have a line in the book that says something to the effect of, don't have experience, make your own. This is incredibly relevant because we just, on this podcast, wrapped up a several week series on passion projects and side hustles, which I yeah. think are often 
not always, but sometimes easier than internships because sometimes internships, the biggest issue is they don't pay. So you kind of need that day job to hold on while building up your brand and things like that. Unless internships all start paying, which would be great. (laughs) There's always freelance work. And, you know, here's the thing. If you're doing it on the side, then you can also, you know, charge according to your experience. There are a lot of people out there who are looking for a great deal. And that way you'll get hands-on experience. Part of the reason why I think we really felt so passionately about writing the career code is that so much of building this company has really been just a matter of us going through this ourselves and being hands-on and figuring things out as we've gone along. So we're, we're great believers in learning through experience. And I know that everyone always gets frustrated by the networking process and schmoozing with people and reaching out to people for coffee and those dreaded emails of like, hi, I just graduated and blah, blah, blah. What is the biggest mistake that you feel recent grads or prospective employees make when they're reaching out to recruiters or potential employers or old contacts? I personally always have this great irritation for people who write an email with a series of questions in said email that could be easily answered by a quick Google search. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes when a person will reach out and say, well, you know, I'm so-and-so's daughter. I met you this time. I really like this and that. Uh, I'd love to ask you a few questions such as, so how did you get to where you are today. And there's just this moment where I think like we've done a million articles about this. We've written about it ourselves. We've been interviewed. And if someone, if that's the best question that they can come up with, I just feel like they're not really trying. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when you being mindful of the fact that you're asking a favor of someone, even if it's just the time it takes for them to open and read your email. So, you know, not asking them for a million things, but being very focused and specific about what you want from them. And then also acknowledging that they're doing you a favor and really, you know, taking the being thoughtful and strategic in sort of the, what you're asking them for and what you're expecting to get out of it and how you will actually apply that to something else. And this is going to sound silly, but if my listeners are anything like me, they'll appreciate this question. What subject lines get you to open the email from a perspective employee. Like I'm always like, do I say hello question mark coffee question mark? Like what what's this what's the subject line? For me, it's kind of when they sum up who they are, what, you know, where they're sort of coming from in the subject line. So I remember I think it was our creative director at some point when she had reached out to us had, you know, put in in the subject line something about, you know, photo director from L Nylon and Teen Vogue. And that was part of her experience. Once you opened her resume, you saw that she kind of held these positions there. And that kind of got my attention. You know, she was just giving herself a headline of who she was, basically. And uh, I opened it, and she was pretty persistent, and she turned out to be an amazing talent. We hired her. So speaking of persistence, when is it persistence, and when is it, like, a little too overeager, a little too aggressive with the follow-ups? I think it's, you know, I think you have to watch the frequency of the follow-ups, but also the content of the follow-ups. You know, I respond to people's tone when it's very humble and unintrusive. Um, I think you you have to be respectful. I don't I don't like anyone who's you know overly familiar or presumptuous or it comes off as entitled. You know, I really want you to be you know passionate and persistent, sure, but also very humble. And 
you know, maybe it's, it's checking in just once every couple of months even, or once a month. And, you know, just to say, Hey, I wanted to just say hello. And I really loved this article that you put out, or I really liked the clothing line that you just launched or, you know, whatever it is kind of showing me that they're staying up to date and have taken an interest in our company. I, you know, I, I do respond to that. And if it's someone I know or know a little bit, the word quick in in the subject line, like a quick favor <laughs> or a quick question, like, oh, quick, quick, I, quick, I can do, quick, I can handle. <laughs> that's, that's very true. I'm going to have to keep that in mind because I feel like that's, I write the email fine and then I agonize over a subject <laughs> line. And I'm like, is this too, is this too casual? Will they remember who I am? Should I put my whole byline? Like, what do I do? So that actually, that was great. So for people who land the job and your book goes through landing the job, making mistakes on the job, dressing for the job, everything about the job. But for people who land the job, what is the night before their first day? What should the routine be? What should these young women do to prepare for their for day one? Sleep. <laughs> Seriously, like you can't, I mean, it's hard, especially when you're nervous or excited, but sleep is the most important thing. Other than that, I think being prompt, being early and, and really being eager and ready to listen and to learn and to take everything in. I think that's, it's really just as simple as that and being appropriately dressed for the workplace. So obviously there's so much advice that we were never going to be able to do in an appropriate amount of time. But what do you think is your favorite piece of advice, work advice from the book for each for each of you? And uh, Hillary, we can start with you. I think my favorite piece of advice from the book is something that started as an idea I mentioned to a couple of friends who we were all assistants at L together and are all still friends. And they had a very negative reaction to it, which made me think I was perhaps onto something, <laughs> which is to that when you're going in for a raise or for job negotiations, really quantify what you do and to really think of what you do in an entrepreneurial way. And the reason I think this is so important is that it's oftentimes hard for women to go into a room and say, this is what I deserve and and this is why. But if you go in and say, okay, you know, I've you know, written this many articles this year that have had this many retweets and have had this much engagement, or if it's a terrible year in your industry and you're saying, you know, I did just, I, we created just as many incredible marketing events as we did last year, but with half the budget and half the staff or whatever it is, if you can really come in and say, this is what I have done. This is how I have impacted the business in some way or another, it's almost like you're giving a report on someone else. And I think that by giving yourself a little distance there, it makes it easier to argue on your own behalf. I actually, it in part stemmed from an article I read in Psychology Today about a third person self-talk and the reason why LeBron James talks about himself in mm. the third person is because it's giving him some distance about to discuss his performance in something and that it's easier whether it's to brag or to critique when you have a little bit of distance and i think the same is true when it comes to negotiating on your own behalf absolutely and catherine what's your favorite piece of advice my favorite chapter is probably the most proactive people win mm. so you know how to really sort of get ahead and you know 
make a difference in a company is by looking around you and saying, okay, how can I go above and beyond my job description? Is there an opportunity for improvement that I see within the company that would be something I could work on? Is there a new, um, you know, line of business I could maybe incubate? Is there a new revenue stream that I see that maybe no one else is or sort of an area that maybe is getting ignored that needs a little bit of help? Those kind of people for me that go in and grab something and really take the time to build it out without being asked, those are the people that grow very quickly within an organization. And ultimately, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of looking at things in a very entrepreneurial way. And that will really help you build success very quickly. Absolutely. Well, like I said, obviously, this is only the tip of the iceberg of your awesome book, The Career Code, which is available wherever books are sold. And it makes a great graduation gift, in my opinion, gift to myself, even though I'm not a graduate anymore. (laughs) Uh, But Hillary and Catherine, I really appreciate your time. I really admire your work. And I'm just so glad that you were able to give some advice to the class of 2016 about at least how to get their foot in the door and, and find a job that they love. It's really our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thanks, guys. That was Hillary Kerr and Catherine Power from Click Media Group. Their new book, The Career Code, is available wherever books are sold. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have topics or questions you'd like me to cover in a future episode, tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our editor, Tim Einenkel, and our producer, Kristen Meinzer. And with graduation right around the corner, there's no better gift than the real simple guide to real life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.